Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Today is Sunday, May 10th, 2020. On this day in 1849, a riot erupted outside the Astor Opera House in New York City, where Shakespeare's Macbeth was being performed. Between 22 and 31 onlookers were killed, and over 120 more were injured. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Today we're covering the Astor Place riot, when more than 100 New Yorkers were injured and over 22 were killed by militia and stray gunfire in the streets of Manhattan's East Village. Let's go back to Manhattan, specifically Astor Place, a micro-neighborhood nestled between 8th and 4th Streets on the east side of Greenwich Village on May 10, 1849. Crowds gathered outside Manhattan's Astor Place Opera House, but they weren't hoping to buy a last-minute ticket for that evening's performance of Macbeth. Instead, they were disillusioned working-class New Yorkers who were angered by the high-society, insiders-only attitude of the theater. A handful of these Boweryites, who could afford a ticket and managed to meet the Astor's dress code, even sat in the theater that evening to make a statement. Once the performers of Macbeth began at 7.30 p.m., they repeatedly hissed and heckled the lead actor, William McCready, on stage. He was wealthy, British, and against everything these mostly Irish immigrants stood for. The managers within the opera house tried to corral these rabble-rousing protesters in the building's basement, which did little to ease the mounting tensions. In protest, the hecklers tried to start a fire in the basement. Outside, too, the mood was equally hostile. Thousands of men lingered in the surrounding streets. These were the loyal supporters of Edwin Forrest, the American actor who'd risen from nothing to fame, who encouraged Americans to attend his performances, not McCready's. These working-class folks were disillusioned with what McCready and the Astor's wealthy patrons represented. However, the group grew so large and rowdy as the night went on that local patrolmen couldn't keep them back any longer. The more officers tried to silence the crowds, the angrier they became. Looking to physicalize their hostility, the men began to kick up cobblestones from the street and throw them against the theater. Then the mob turned their rocks at the police. Consequently, New York Mayor Caleb S. Woodhull took a drastic measure. Fearing the worst, he had stationed a battalion of the state's militia in nearby Washington Square Park that afternoon. By 9 p.m., he sent word for them to mobilize and come to the theater. 
Realizing he was perhaps out of options if the militia didn't calm the situation, Mayor Woodhull fled the neighborhood, allegedly hunkering down in a hotel. His instinct that the situation had tipped out of control was correct. The state militia arrived outside the Astor Place Opera House by 9.15 p.m., where it too was greeted by the angry, stone-throwing crowd. And they were armed. To try to scare away the crowds, the militia fired warning shots from their muskets into the night sky. This frightened everyone and set about a frenzy of movement. The random bullet fire soon turned directly into the crowd. Rounds flew with abandon. In reply, the mob, carrying its own variety of small weapons, unleashed gunfire in return. It was sheer and utter madness. Those who had been killed outside the theater were now being dragged to the lobby of the Opera House. The performance of Macbeth was to end at 11.30 p.m., nearly the same time even more ammunition arrived at the request of the militia. Cannons. The cannons shot into the crowd, injuring nearby women and children in addition to the rioting men. Finally, the mob began to disperse as the wounded dragged themselves away from Astor Place. Some even tried to find shelter in nearby drugstores. Some of these people would die there as they tried to obtain treatment for their injuries. The performance let out, and patrons were horrified to see the dead and wounded outside. After seeing the bodies in the streets, leading actor William McCready fled quietly. He left New York immediately and made his way to Boston. Allegedly, he'd never return to perform in New York again. Coming up, the lead up to the riot and why McCready's appearance in Macbeth was so polarizing. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Now back to the story. The Astor Place riot on May 10, 1849, was the bloody repercussion of years of cultural discord. In the mid-1800s, the theater in New York City was one of the last institutions that embodied the hostility between American patriots and British-sympathizing aristocrats. Despite a half-century passing since the American Revolutionary War, plays and theater in general still had distinctly British undertones. And this was especially clear when it came to the Astor Place Opera House. The ornate Greek Revival-style building stood for so much more than the performances it held. Its primary patrons were primarily Manhattan's wealthy elite, and the theater even required a dress code for performances. 
and these patrons were itching to see one very special iteration of Shakespeare's Macbeth. William Charles McCready was a 56-year-old Englishman who had risen to become one of the most celebrated Shakespearean actors of his day. For work, he alternated between managing a theater in London and touring Europe and America in different plays. Wealthy New York theatergoers were smitten with McCready's technical training, always clamoring to see one of his performances when he came to the city. However, these well-heeled patrons only made up a small fraction of the downtown crowd. In fact, there were many more blue-collar New Yorkers who despised McCready, most especially Irish-American immigrants. These working-class residents of the local Bowery neighborhood looked with great disdain on the wealthy that flocked past their tenements to the Astor Place Opera House. They preferred actors who were emblematic of their side of the neighborhood, like Edwin Forrest. 43-year-old Forrest was an American actor that had long been chasing William McCready's coattails. Allegedly, Forrest was so desperate to outdo his British counterpart that he sometimes attempted to stage the same performances in the exact same cities as McCready when he was touring. He wanted to dare people to choose where their sympathies lie, Britain or America. So when McCready was touring the U.S. in 1849, these tensions came to a boil. During his first performance of Shakespeare's Macbeth at the Astor Place Opera House on May 7th, the working-class patrons who could afford to attend made it clear that they wanted an American actor like Forrest playing the lead role. McCready was apparently pelted with rotten eggs, potatoes, lemons, apples, and copper coins. After this treatment, McCready threatened to cancel his next performance on May 10th and depart for England immediately. However, the theater's rich patrons were adamant that McCready see all of his performances of Macbeth through. They didn't want these hoodlums, as they called the working class, terrorizing their pastime. As they saw it, to cancel the last performance meant their high taste would soon be pushed out, along with their wealth and privilege. 47 theater patrons secured confirmation from the New York police force that the Astor Place Opera House would be protected on May 10th. With this, the wealthy patrons then wrote McCready a letter, encouraging him to do his final performance with confidence. Even author Washington Irving, the writer of Sleepy Hollow, jumped in, urging McCready to stay. So, feeling slightly reassured that he would be able to perform in peace, McCready agreed to go ahead with the performance as planned. However, no amount of verbal support would shield him from the chaos that erupted that night. According to the Greenwich Village Society for Historical Preservation, the incident was, quote, the largest civil disturbance in New York at the time. While the estimates for how many died vary, the number is likely between 24 and 31, while over 100 citizens were injured. Some would survive the night, only to pass on in the coming days from wounds they sustained on May 10th. The Astor Place Opera House, once heralded as a place of fine entertainment, was deemed the Massacre Opera House and Disaster Place Opera House, even the most loyal of patrons wouldn't go near it, and it finally closed 
in 1853. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories on the harrowing tales of escape, check out the ParCast original, Survival. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Mackenzie Moore, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime.